Hi, I'm Beck Rayner, and this is the Military Wife Life podcast, a podcast that celebrates, empowers, supports, and embraces the spouses behind the military members by building connections, acknowledging our strength, focusing on self-care and our mental health. Let's do this together. Want to join a bank that just gets Defence Life? Defence Bank is one of Australia's largest customer-owned banks. They have 33 on-base branches across Australia, an award-winning banking app that allows you to do all your banking wherever, whenever, and Defence Bank offers competitive products and services tailored for ADF members and defence spouses. Visit defencebank.com.au today and see how easy your banking can be. Well, welcome, Megan, to the Military Wife Life podcast. Thank you for having me. I've been a listener from the very early days, so I'm excited to be here. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And so you and your husband have been together for 14 years. Can you tell me how you met and how you became a couple? We actually met in high school. He was my first serious boyfriend back when we were, you know, 16 years old. Then he left. He moved interstate to follow his dreams. And we reunited again seven or eight years later when we were both back home visiting family. So I guess when he went off to follow his dreams were those of joining Defence? So he actually went to work for the airlines. So he was working for Ansett and Qantas. Back in those days, he thought he wasn't actually eligible for Defence. And then they changed some of the requirements and he was actually able to get in. So he got in a bit later. He didn't go straight from school and joined through the officer entry program later on. And so when he came back and you reunited, he was in defence? Yes. So at that point, he was in defence. He'd been in for almost two years at that point. We were living on opposite sides of the country. So he was in Western Australia. I was in Victoria at that point. And yeah, we met each other, had this whirlwind romance for a week at Christmas time, and then had to launch straight into long distance relationship and living on opposite sides of the country. Oh gosh. So when you initially reunited, United, did him being in defense have any impact on whether you might go forward with a relationship or, you know, shield your heart from anything to do with defense force life? Yes. So we basically had that week to decide if this was worth committing to or not, knowing that, you know, we were both kind of students at that point and flying back and forth to see each other. It was going to be a big financial commitment. It was a big time commitment. And so we had to decide very, very quickly if this was worth doing. I think because we'd already known each other for 10 years at that point, it made the decision easier. But certainly it was a huge decision straight up whether he was worth all of that. And so going forward into long distance straight up, what sort of considerations did you both sort of put in place? Was it that, okay, well, we need to see each other every six weeks or we need to talk to each other a lot? Or what did you sort of put in place for that to work? We talked on the phone pretty much every day and we made a point of trying to see each other about every six weeks. But it was essentially whenever either of us had enough money to book the flight and we found cheap flights. So we were constantly watching the flight back and forth. And if a flight came up for $400 and one of us had $400, we would see each other that weekend. So it was kind of hit and miss. We, we did what we could in those early days. And had you sort of talked about how that would sort of work out in the future? Was there a point where you would move to be with him or 
that he might be coming to a location closer to you? How did you sort of future plan for that? So he was doing his pilot training at that point. And the way the pilot training works, they don't really get a say in where they're posted to. So we knew that he would finish his training and he would be sent somewhere. All the different aircrafts are based in different places. So we didn't know what state he was going to be in. At that point, I was in my final year of university. So I was studying medicine to become a doctor. And I had to apply for jobs before we knew where he would be posted. And we made the decision that we would try to get to the same state. For me, that process was quite hard. The way first year doctor jobs are given out, you are only eligible for one job in each state. So you apply, each state has their own system. You apply, you get offered one hospital, and that's your only choice for that state. So I had to apply for all of the states knowing that I would just have to take whatever I was given if I wanted to be in the same state as him. So it was a really quite stressful time for us. And a lot of people were telling us that it was silly, that I should just stay in Victoria where I was, where I was guaranteed a good job in the hospital of my choice. But I knew I wanted to be closer to my husband. At that point, we had, you know, had had some experience in flying back and forth across the country. And we knew that we wanted to be closer to each other if possible. So yeah, so straight then we had to decide that I would move towards him. And then in the future, we would try and switch it around and he would move where I needed. And I guess, so you mentioned that it was stressful trying to sort of line up being in the same location or just the same state. So it would be easier to see each other. And on top of all of that, you're finishing a medical degree and trying to figure out where you're going to be going for your first job as a as a doctor which is stressful in itself yes exactly well he ended up getting posted to new south wales uh, and i got offered a job in newcastle in new south wales so i moved there he my husband had an interim posting in newcastle so it worked it was going to be really great we were both in the same place for a day and literally the day i got to newcastle to take this job i was offered he transferred to sydney so he was still in the same state he was two hours drive away but i had moved across the country for a hospital where I knew no one to start my first job and I was in a city where I didn't know anyone so it was a big move. So you had 24 hours together? (laughs) Pretty much. He was good though he he'd set up an apartment and I basically just took over his apartment and then he moved on to the next place. And so how did it work with obviously being two hours away from each other is better than being in different states but you're starting a job as a doctor and at a hospital and there's not a lot of free time when you're just starting out, let alone in a field like medicine. How did you sort of work around his schedule, your schedule, and actually seeing each other, even though you're only the two hours away from each other, but you've got all of those other things happening? My job was really, really busy. I only had off a couple of days per month. So I was working like 12 or 14 days in a row without a day off. So he had to travel to me a lot. And whenever I had a day off, I would travel to him. We were doing lots of driving in the middle of the night to see each other. Yeah, basically, whenever either of us had a day off, we would try and spend it with the other person. But it was hard and we knew pretty quickly that that wasn't going to be a long term, something we would want to do long term. So I had to work pretty hard to get transferred. Usually you have to do the first two years in the same place and I had to push very hard to get transferred closer to him. After the first year, I managed to get a spot in Gosford. So it was still an hour from Sydney, but we managed to get a defence housing house that I could commute to work and he could commute to work and we made it work then. So at that point, we'd been together 18 months and we finally managed to live in the same place. 
obviously you mentioned you didn't think that that would be long-term and you're gradually getting closer and closer to each other, but what's happening with your husband and postings and, and when was he off to the next location? And then you have to sort of, I guess, start all over again. How is that going to work? We're, we're pretty lucky in that in the Air Force, usually postings are three years at a time. So you do get a little bit of stability and most pilots tend to rotate between two or three places because their aircrafts are only based in a certain place. So we thought we'd have a fair bit of stability there. He later on changed his career path, which threw that out. But we thought that once we were both in Sydney, we would pretty much be based in Sydney for most of his career. That's kind of what we were planning for at that point, but it didn't end up turning out like that. What goals did you have sort of going into your career in medicine and how did that sort of change once you had sort of gotten a handle on what defence life would be like for both of you and and going forward? Initially, I was planning to become a specialist paediatrician. Most people aren't aware of how doctor's training works, but Essentially, for about eight to 10 years after you graduate, you were training as a junior doctor and you're very much at the mercy of the government public health system for where you can train, when you're allowed to transfer state and you kind of have to follow by their rules, which doesn't really work in with defence life. So I did the initial part of my paediatrician training in New South Wales, in Sydney, and then my husband got posted to Western Australia and I followed him over there. At that point, I was on maternity leave. It worked out really nice timing. Um, I went on maternity leave from my job. I followed him to Western Australia and we thought that perhaps after he'd finished that posting, we'd go back to Sydney. I'd take on back on my role there and that would be easy it would it would all fit the plan perfectly but it didn't actually work out like that the the posting he got was a bit longer than we expected so it was going to go for more than my maternity leave and I had to then look for my junior doctor role in Western Australia and I was unable to get a position that suited what I needed There was only one employer for the particular position I had and they would only offer me full-time work. At that point, I had a brand new baby. I had a partner who was often very, very busy at work for long hours, often away for stints at a time. And there was no way I wanted to have to deal with working, you know, 70 hour weeks and trying to manage looking after a baby and sorting out childcare by myself. So it was a huge decision. The day they rang me and said, we've got a job for you. We know you want part-time, but we're not going to give you that. The only thing we can give you, we can give you 10 weeks of part-time work and then you have to go full-time. And I made the big just gut instinctual decision on there on the spot that I couldn't take that job, that that was not something I was willing to compromise on. And I said no, which was crazy. And some would say silly, but it ended up being the best thing for me because I I had to step back and go, well, hang on, if I'm not willing to make these kind of sacrifices for my career, what is it that is really important to me? And that led me down a whole different path. I still remember that one phone call that I had with the particular hospital about not taking on that job and essentially closing the door on that part of my career. Nine out of 10 defence spouses wish they found out about Defence Bank sooner. Okay, I might have just made that up and they do sponsor my podcast, but I've checked them out and I think they're worth a look just for their banking app alone. It's award-winning, has cool features like fast same-day payments, card alerts and controls, and pin change functionality, savings roundups, Apple Pay, Google Pay, Fitbit Pay, Garmin Pay, the list goes on. Oh, and if you really want to go to a branch, you can. There are 33 on-base branches across Australia. 
Banking as a defence spouse doesn't have to be hard. For more info, visit defencebank.com.au. You mentioned that, you know, it was the best decision you could make for you Mm. and your family at the time, but was there, I guess, a process that you had to sort of go on to to come to terms with that? Because a a large part of your life would have been spent, you know, getting to that goal, doing the training, the degree, getting the job, you know, making it all work so far. And then, you know, coming to the realization that going forward, what you want for your family is just not compatible with that career. Absolutely. And at that point, I kind of kept the door open a little bit because I was like, well, you know, worst case scenario, we'll go back to Sydney in three years. I'll be able to pick it back up then. You know, like there's a bit of extra work going in if if you haven't worked in paediatrics for that long. I'll just be able to, you know, sort it out when we get back to Sydney. And then my husband decided that he really wanted to pursue a different path within defence. That was his dream role, essentially. And we had to, as a family, sit down and discuss that because that dream role, while it was a dream for him, it involved us not going back to Sydney, not going back to that job that I could have gone back to, and instead going on this journey of moving four times in four years, uh, moving potentially around the world to follow him on his dream career path. And that was a huge adjustment for me because I, you know, obviously I'm a high achiever. I'm someone who worked very hard at my career to suddenly go, right, I'm going to throw all that in to follow his career. And I had to do a lot of work myself around that to figure out if that is what I wanted to do. And if I had said, no, I wasn't willing to support that he would have changed his mind it wasn't his decision it was very much a joint decision whether or not he would follow that path and if I had not wanted him to he would have cancelled that idea but instead I did a lot of work around really figuring out what was important to me at that time I came across uh, two beautiful women who were teaching online courses I guess they were what you would call life coaches but the term wasn't very popular back then Uh, and they coached me through this process of figuring out what it was that was important to me and when we did that process, I realized that while my career had been important, it really wasn't now, especially once I had children. And for me, being all together as a family unit, my children, my husband, me all together was much, much more important than following my career. And that's a very personal choice for everyone. For some people, it would be in the opposite way. But for me, when I went through this values coaching process, it was very clear that that is what I needed to do to feel fulfilled for myself and to be happy with my life. So once I learned about that, then I really started learning about what else gave me fulfillment that wasn't a pediatric career. And I was able to follow those things and dive into those things while my husband was pursuing his dream role. So we made it work doing it that way. Obviously it's worked out in the end and you are still feeling fulfilled with what you're doing and you did a lot of work to get to where you are, but I guess, you know, you can do all the work in the world on yourself and your mindset and coming to terms with the changes and the sacrifices and like the different goals that you've now got and what the future now looks like. But, you know, did you have to do any work, I guess, to come to terms with what other people might think? Absolutely. I think for most people, they were really shocked that that was my decision. And for years, people have, people still ask me, I haven't worked in pediatrics for seven years now. And people still ask me when I'm going back to that. So I think my family, friends, my work colleagues, my bosses, they couldn't believe it. And particularly for my medical colleagues, because it's not the culture to leave your career in the medical field. 
Uh, most people, they do it, they do it for life. There is lots of unhappy doctors who want to leave and who don't because it's not the done thing. You know, once you're a doctor, you stay a doctor, you do that forever. And I think that's because we put so much training into it. But I, I realized that I have a lot of skills from my medical career that I can use in different places. And I still have been working in medical roles. I went into teaching in a, a university for a while. I worked in a non-clinical research type role for a while. So I've still been doing medical work uh, as we moved around, but it just looks different to what other people imagined my career would be like and to what I imagined my career would be like. And I guess yeah. it's just having that that shift in, in mindset and, and goals and, and being okay with that. Yeah, and I think I had to become very, very certain that that was the decision I wanted for me. Uh, certainly looking back, I had a lot of burnout and stress when I was working in the hospital system. So having a break from that and getting to reassess life was actually a really good benefit for me that I wouldn't have been afforded. If I'd been just in one spot, continued to work, I wouldn't have had that chance to really reassess and see that that's not what I wanted to be doing and not how I wanted to be spending my life. So I had to get really certain in myself that the decision was what I wanted for me because I do say it with a lot of my friends in defense that if they've had to give up their careers for their partner. You can hold a lot of resentment around that for a very long time. And I think if you're holding resentment, it's a sign that perhaps you do need to put your career higher up your list of priorities for you. Whereas for me, it was lower down my list of priorities and I was happy to let that take a back step. Once you had done that work with those coaches, what sort of realization did you come to? You know, obviously it meant that you could go forward knowing in yourself that this was the best decision for you and for your family and for your partner. But how did you come to that realization and what sort of then goals did you have in mind to, I guess, have a positive outlook on, you know, changing your career path and, and all that you thought may have been in store for you? So they really taught me that once I knew what my values were, I could actually structure my life around those. So I started looking for jobs that would suit my family situation that would suit defense life, that would suit moving around. I trained in a few different areas. I dived into things that were really interesting to me. So obviously health and well-being is something that is very important to me, being a doctor. So I trained in peer counseling. I joined a volunteer organization that I knew had locations all around the country. I then went into life coach training. I took on different roles that I found, you know, like I said, I found a, a teaching role in a university in one location we lived in. So I really tried to always look for something that I could do to keep my foot in working because working for me is still important. So I've always had some kind of work going on and it's always been around health and well-being. But roles that would fit my family. Whereas working as a pediatrician in a big hospital was never going to be out of fit around our family life. So that was, it's been fun. I've done different things that I didn't expect I would be doing, but I've gained a huge bunch of skills along the way. And I, I truly believe that all, all of the experiences we have, it all kind of comes together in the end and you, you can find ways to use all of your experience and skills. What are you doing for work now and how are you using all of those skills um, and how are they sort of those skills coming together to help you with what you're doing at the moment? So now I combine the different things I've learned from 
my medical work, my counselling work, my life coaching work. I've also trained in mindset um, and subconscious mind therapy. So I combine all of those things. These days, I'm really focused about teaching people how to live their best life and how to look after themselves and how to make big choices. So I run online courses in these areas. I run online workshops and I do one-to-one mentoring with people. So I have quite a wide client base. I have people coming to me because they're in a position like I was where they're having to make a big choice between family and career and they want guidance in doing that. Uh, I also work with defence spouses in particular who are struggling with the constant location change and want to learn how to really make the most of where they're living even if it's not somewhere that they would choose to be living. I have an online course for them called Love Where You Live. And I also do a lot of work in self-care and running self-care workshops and really teaching people how to look after themselves at a mind level as opposed to just a body level. So really working on the mindset work, figuring out what's important to you and making sure that you're doing those things. So I do quite a a wide variety of things in my own business now that I can move around with and take wherever we go. So do you guys have a general posting plan of what might be coming up for you? Like whereabouts are you based at the moment and what's the future going to hold? So we're in the Brisbane Ipswich area at the moment. We've been here for 18 months. This is the longest we've lived anywhere since our kids were born. So I'm feeling like, oh my gosh, we shouldn't be time to start packing again. But we're here for another 18 months and then we're not sure after that. It may be that we get to stay here for an extra posting. It may be that we move interstate. It may be that we move international. It's still all very much up in the air. So how can people find out more about what you're doing and and your business and obviously the specific work that you do with um, spouses and Yeah, perfectly. I have a website. It's megankruger.com. If you go on there and particularly look at my courses section, that's where I talk about Love Where You Live, which is my defense specific course. But on my website, I list all the other things that I do as well. And I also do lots of free talks and workshop online. So you can find me on Facebook or Instagram at Dr. Megan Kruger and see what I'm offering or talking about there at the moment. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Megan, and telling us all about your spouse experience and all that you're doing with your business and all that comes with Defence Life. Thank you so much for having me back. I so hope you were able to relate or take something away from today's episode. There are definite ups and downs to military life, but let's get the conversation happening so we can see that we are all in this together. We are all just doing our best. So until next week, you got this. Let's do this together one day at a time. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this episode has touched you, helped you, or given you that extra confidence to keep going, to continue to hold down the home front, to continue to do all the things, I would so appreciate it if you could pop into Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review, a comment about what you would like to hear more of, or just some encouraging words. If you want to suggest a guest, I am always looking for new people to talk to. You can do that by jumping over to the website www.militarywifelife.com.au and clicking on our podcast page. I would love to hear from you. 